Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 64 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author, media and PR coach, copywriter, editor and proofreader and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content, events and training platform providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Before we go into the main part of the show, I want to let you know about a new online PR course for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs that I'm running. It's called Vegans in the Limelight and it starts in June. That's 2017 if you're listening in the future. And you'll learn how to get free publicity by getting yourself featured in the media on a regular basis. Now, the course is particularly for vegan professionals who can't afford to hire a PR firm or a publicist at the moment. And I'm running it because I see so many vegan business owners, authors and entrepreneurs missing out on golden opportunities to get into the media, either because they're not confident in approaching journalists because they don't have the skills or they're pitching the media the wrong way. So I'm going to share with you the strategies and techniques for how to do your own PR. The course is tailored specifically for vegan business owners. So there'll be downloadable templates, case studies and bite-sized video training. You'll be able to post questions on the learning platform, which I'll personally respond to. And there'll also be three live group calls you can jump on to ask me anything about getting into the media. And I'll give you answers specifically for your business. So you're not going to be left to struggle along on your own with the course. So if you're keen to get your vegan brand in the limelight, head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where there's a link to the course with all the details. And I'll also put the link on the show notes page. And if you type in the coupon code podcast, as you enroll, you'll receive a special early bird rate before the 20th of April. In this episode, I interview Susan Prolman, who started VegShop on the Etsy platform a year ago as a hobby to test the waters in becoming a business owner. Susan is a lifelong advocate for animals. She served as Executive Director of the National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition and as a Director of International Campaigns for the Humane Society of the United States. She's lobbied against factory farming and for environmental protection in Washington, D.C. for years. Before graduating Georgetown University Law Center with honors, she helped to create the school's first animal law course. VegShop features Susan's handmade jewellery and accessories with messages such as Go Veg and I Love Pigs. The aim is to help customers express the joy of being vegan. In this interview, Susan talks about the benefits of Etsy, particularly if you have little money to invest up front to sell your products. The challenges of selling on a crowded platform, particularly when you're starting out. The quickest way to create a community of people interested in your items. How she partnered with non-profit organisations which helped boost her sales. The importance of SEO when running an Etsy store. The time investment required to run a successful Etsy store and how that changes as the store becomes established. And much more. Here's the interview with Susan Prolman from VegShop. 
Hello, Susan. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Katrina, for having me. I'm very excited to be here. No, I think it's great. And I'm, I'm really glad that you you reached out because uh, I like the way that you uh, approached the podcast because you, you actually gave me some food for thought in that um, you're slightly different to some of our, our regular guests in that what you do um, is, I guess we class it more as a, as a kind of side hustle um, to to sell your products. And I think this is a really, as you mentioned, it's a really great opportunity for anyone listening Listening, who's perhaps thinking of starting a business or thinking of tipping, uh, dipping their toes in the water, but not quite ready to commit 100%. They just want to kind of test the waters out. And I think what you're doing is a wonderful example of that. So really pleased to be uh, having a chat with you about this today. So tell us about the why. Again, it's the first question I ask everybody, and, and you're no exception on that regard. So tell us a bit about why you why you're doing what you're doing. Why are you running your Etsy store veg shop? So, you know, I'm a lifelong advocate for compassion for animals, um, but I also, like so many people out there, you know, I have hobbies and I have, uh, you know, a calling to create beautiful things with my hands. And I know that a lot of your listeners as well have talents and uh, create create uh, items. And so I blended these two callings together by opening an Etsy shop. Uh, my Etsy shop is called Dead Shop. And uh, Bed Shop, through Bed Shop, I sell jewelry and accessories that are uh, designed to help people express the joy of being vegan. Um, and this does a lot of things. It, it helps me to help other people to show the world that being vegan is beautiful. It helps me to express my creative side. And also, I donate some of uh, my Bed Shop jewelry items to some of the nonprofit organizations that I support. So it's... Uh, uh, you know, something that covers a lot of ground for me. Wonderful. It's like creative activism, <laughs> which is uh, Exactly. Exactly. Right. There are terms going around like craftivism and artivism. Oh, yeah. It's something along those lines. <laughs> I yes. love that. Activism and craftivism. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Wonderful. So with Veg Shop, so as you mentioned, it's it's kind of more of a, I guess, a hobby or something creative for you to do rather than necessarily to run as a full-time business. So um, let's talk about um, some of the challenges um, with So for someone who maybe wants to start up something similar to this, um, what were some of your challenges when you first started up Veg Shop? Well, you know, and even if I could take one step back, Katrina, um, one question that some folks in your audience might have is what is Etsy? I'm not sure if everybody's heard of it. And so basically it's an online platform for, uh, you know, entrepreneurs to sell their unique goods uh, to focus on handmade items. And I'm not here to promote Etsy in particular. Uh, I just, just the concept of getting the items that vegans make out there into the world. Um, and so I, I basically started all of this as an Etsy customer. That, you know, Etsy happens to be the platform that I started on because I used to enjoy uh, being a customer and I would type vegan into the search bar and uh, look at all the great things that were for sale. And eventually, I started selling my own items there. Um, you know, there are challenges to starting up. Uh, and the big challenge is there are 1.5 million Etsy sellers. So uh, there's a lot of competition. Almost every type of product that you sell is going to be a crowded space. And particularly when you start out and you don't have any history of sales or anything like that, 
uh, it's a challenge to drive uh, potential customers to your site and make some of your first sales. Mm, interesting. Yeah, that's a good. I'm glad you pointed out that. That's a lot of sellers on um, on Etsy. It's. I actually said that wrong. It's 1.7 million. Oh, 1.7 million Etsy um, as well. Wow. Yeah. So they have a lot of sellers for sure. And and as a result of which, there are a lot of great vegan items that you can purchase through Etsy. I'm still a customer and still look on at many of the cool things that people are selling to get the vegan message out there. Uh, it's it's really fun. It's a fun place. Yeah. But as a seller, you do have to find a way to, you know, get people to purchase from you as opposed to somebody else. So how did you do that? Well, you know, I was very fortunate. Uh, I've, I've had a career in the nonprofit world in Washington, D.C., and I'm a active volunteer with a lot of really wonderful organizations uh, and have great friends who are um, leaders in the vegan movement. So I got a lot of help uh, right off the bat when I opened my Etsy shop a year ago from some wonderful people. Um, one partnership that I've really enjoyed is with the nonprofit organization Compassion Over Killing. Um, they helped me a lot to get the word out about my new Etsy shop as did um, other nonprofit organizations um, and lots of great friends who put out plugs for my shop on Facebook and other social uh, media outlets. Fantastic. And that's a really good example of creating that community and tapping into people that you know, um, because often people, you know, go into this kind of space and they're like, oh, but who am I going to sell to? How do I reach them? And it's always a good place to well, start with who you know. And I think you're a, a great example of having done that. You've really sort of tapped into your your community and your your connections. So that that's great. Um, now, in terms of uh, the challenges, then, what about in terms of time, like particularly for people who are you know they're working full-time and then they're doing this so approximately how much time do you spend on your Etsy project say per week yeah I do think that that is you've really hit the big question for anybody thinking about possibly opening an Etsy shop or a shop on one of the other uh, you know online platforms like Amazon handmade or Shopify or anything else is, is this going to be worth my investment of time? I've spent a lot of time on my Etsy shop. Um, it, it does take a lot of time. Some people will spend time creating a shop, creating the products, putting their products online, and then they're disappointed that they don't get any sales or they get very few sales. And I think a lot of people uh, give up fairly quickly. So the fact that it's time consuming is in my book, the biggest investment. One of the things that's nice about Etsy is that it's inexpensive to get started. Uh, it does not cost you any money to open up an Etsy shop. Each listing costs 20 cents for four months, oh, which wow. I think is pretty reasonable. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cheap, right? So, uh, And then they charge you a 3.5% uh, fee for any item sold. So in that sense, you don't have to put a lot of money out at front uh, so for an opening shop, it's really good, but it is a question that people should ask themselves. You go into it understanding that it takes time to create and manage and then drive traffic to the shop. Um, it, it may or may not be for you. Um, there are other ways to sell. Uh, or you could even, some people might make wonderful things, food, fashion, what have you, and just give them away to friends and family and, and non-vegans, which is great. 
Uh, some people might like to sell face to face and at veg fests and whatnot. But if you're if you're just wanting to dip your toes into the water of an online platform, you know this is this is an approach to consider. But again, think about do you have the time and is it going to be worth it for you in the end? What is your time most spent on, Susan? Because obviously you're creating your jewellery and your, your items. And then also, like you said, you're, you're having to spend time on marketing in terms of, you know, actually getting mm-hmm. people there because you can make the most wonderful, fantastic, beautiful things in the world. But if nobody knows about them, uh, they're not necessarily going to buy them. So what, approximately what time do you spend on, say, marketing as opposed to um, yeah, actually creating your, your products? Yes, and one of the frustrating things for a creative is I find that you have to spend more time marketing than you do making. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, right, so that that can be a little bit disappointing. And my time has changed. It's, it's sort of morphed. And there, there's more time up front. Like up front, you, you set up your shop. Uh, you really have to have um, a good number of listings. They say it should go beyond one page worth of listings. And so to create all those listings, takes time. Uh, And then to set up social media um, takes time. I personally am on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest with this. And I don't probably spend as much time on Pinterest as I should. But, um, you know, so setting it up and getting it up and running takes time. Once you've got it up and running, I found that my time shifted to other things. So for example, recently, I've been uh, experimenting with online advertising through Google AdWords and through uh, Etsy ads themselves. And so I've spent some of my time on that kind of marketing as opposed to some of the things I did earlier on. Okay, got it, got it. I think that's good for people to hear. And like you say, obviously starting up anything, there's that investment of time, just as you say, to get things um, ticking over. So this is great. I mean, I don't, I must admit, I don't know too much about Etsy. I know of it. Um, I'm not actually bought from it, um, but I, I kind of, I'm aware of it. So, and in fact, I was looking for some some vegan glitter sneakers that I couldn't find anywhere. And I Ooh. posted and someone said, try Etsy. And I did actually kind of Google vegan yeah. and vegan glitter. And I did see a lot of stuff coming on oh this does look like quite a cool platform so it's good to hear about the the ins and outs of uh, of running that and yeah like you say it's that uh, a lot of creatives find that is that you you can make your stuff but unless you've got someone else doing your marketing you've, you've got to put just as much if not more effort into marketing to get that that stuff out there so thank you for sharing that that's that's fantastic so you talked about some of the the benefits of of particularly the Etsy platform is it was very um, inexpensive to set up which is which is fantastic um, and I noticed you uh, you said that you chose Etsy because you'd also be a customer. So you mentioned a couple of those other platforms like Shopify, Amazon Handmade. I guess there's eBay as well as another one that, that springs to mind. So is there a mm-hmm. reason? To, mm-hmm. Are you kind of sticking with Etsy or do you see yourself going on other platforms? I'm just kind of curious as to, um, you know, whether you would recommend, you know, once you've kind of got going on, say, one platform on Etsy, mm-hmm. would you also consider going on to another platform yeah, I definitely would. So again, my shop is only a year old at this point in time, and I'm still growing it. I would like to have my own website. And uh, some people will do e-commerce websites through Shopify, Squarespace, Squarespace, sorry, uh, Weebly. I've heard of Wix. I, I, I haven't. I can't speak to these in particular, um, but. It's nice once you're a little bit bigger and more mature uh, in your shop, it's nice to have your own 
URL that you can drive people to as opposed to driving them to Etsy. But I have heard a lot of success stories where people start uh, as a solo entrepreneur on Etsy, grow it, grow it, grow it, uh, create their own website, but then they keep uh, their shop on Etsy as well because it just broadens their potential market that much more. Mm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when you said that, because, you know, and the same with places like Amazon and eBay. I know you said there are massive amounts of sellers, but I guess there's also um, a huge amount of potential customers as well on those platforms to get in front of. Yeah. And Amazon created a subset called Amazon Handmade, which is their attempt to compete with Etsy. Uh Uh, Yeah. So so like, in other words, Etsy is so popular that people are starting to copy copy it now as well I got it got it cool now you mentioned the 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 uh, veg shop it's a year old at the moment so is it just you running mm-hmm. everything at the moment Susan I'd like do you have any staff yeah yeah it's just you at the moment okay no it's it's just me it's very simple and right now I'm enjoying that aspect of it but again you know other people have started an Etsy site and grown it into a business with uh large staff so uh you know, uh, I, I'm keeping my mind open for the future. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that's great. Um, so you talked a little bit um, about the competition, or and I put that in, in quotes, and about how you, you've stood out and maintained um, your customers and you tapped into your um, existing networks. Um, what about in terms of your actual goods? So are there any particular kind of, I guess, unique selling points or anything that you use, to, say, with people who don't necessarily know about your product? Um, how uh-huh. do you think that they what do you, or what do you do to make them stand out in that marketplace well so so what I sell uh, at this point in time although I'm always experimenting and expanding um, I sell uh, mainly necklaces but also some other accessories like keychains and pins and magnets um, that uh, say the word vegan or they might say go veg or they might say, I love pigs. Um, I, I have some that are pet related, like adopt, don't shop. Um, and uh, I also have done some with uh, that, that are actually just paintings of uh, cows or baby goats or what have you. Um, so they're basically predominantly items that help people use their body as a billboard to express the message uh, that being vegan is a joy, being vegan is beautiful, and, you know, just just help activists share the whole concept of being vegan with the rest of the world. Mm, Cool, cool. So they sound pretty unique, which I guess is what Etsy is all about in that you're actually buying something handmade rather than mass-produced. Yes, that's exactly right. They, They are. Um, And then, you know, an interesting turn, Katrina, that my uh, shop has taken in 2017, um, uh, we had an election here in the U.S. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I think we know that. You might have heard. (laughs) (laughs) So so I know it was popular in Australia as well. The Women's March back in January um, was a very busy time for me because I had – uh, a friend, Carrie, uh, had uh, a lot of um, guests coming into Washington, D.C. to participate in a Women's March and uh, reached out to me for a commission uh, for items related to the Women's March. People were 
choosing their own sort of inspiring statement or their intent uh, for the Women's March and beyond. Uh, and then I got other requests like that as well. And I added um, a resist safety pin to uh, my vet shop collection. And that has been so far the best selling item among people I don't know, people who are just Etsy shoppers who are uh, coming to Etsy for uh, merchandise that expresses their concern with the current state of the world. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. I love that. I love that you've got commissioned yeah. as well to, to do that. How do you keep up then? Like if you've got something like that where you've got a commission, I mean, how do you kind of handle that? Like because you create everything yourself and I guess you ship it out yourself. So how does that kind mm-hmm. of work? Yeah, it gets busy sometimes. I mean, I'm still a small shop, so sometimes it's not busy, and then sometimes I really get slammed. Um, but so far, it's been manageable in terms of the flow. But it, it's also part of, you know, listening uh, to what people are asking for and responding. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And I, I like that you said, you know, you, it, it's now become the best-selling item because obviously if people are getting it from your Etsy shop, they're also then able to see your other products, like, you know, your cool kind of animal rights vegan type products. So it's sort of exposing you to that that bigger market, which is fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's... And I, I, try to, I try to use some of my listings for uh, further education of people. So, uh, for example... Uh, in some of my listings, uh, some of the percent uh, is donated to Compassion Over Killing, and so I'll put a little link to their tryveg.com uh, website as well. So I, you know, I try to I try to get the message out there everywhere I can. Mm, yeah, fantastic. Now we're talking about competition. I mean, a lot of um, marketing gurus say, "Oh, we know we shouldn't really be thinking about competition. We should be talking about collaboration." And it sounds like you're of you're you're doing that to to some extent. What about with other businesses that maybe are a little bit similar to yours? Like, have you done any kind of collaboration or joint ventures with those? And what are your thoughts on that? Well, I would love to. I haven't done that yet, but I am a customer of uh, many of the other uh, creators of vegan merchandise on Etsy. So I consider them colleagues. I'm excited that they're out there doing it. I, I, I think that there are a lot of sellers of vegan merchandise on Etsy. I'd love to see even more. Cool. Cool. That's great. Now, you touched on some of the marketing strategies that you've used um, to to grow VegShop. Um, Social media seems to be um, quite a big one, as opposed to, say, going out and doing VegFests. Is that right? Well, I've actually done some VegFests, and and some of those have been really uh, terrific. So that's really great. You know, the funny thing, Katrina, is my first sale, which was before I even opened VegShop and then actually – was the one that sort of made me think, oh, this item is marketable, was right off of my neck. Uh, Somebody saw me wearing one of my necklaces and got extremely excited and insisted on buying it uh, right there on the spot. (laughs) And since that time, yeah, it was was really fun. It was really uh, reinforcing. And so uh, since that time, I try whenever I go out uh, where I'm going to see other people to wear one of my creations. And many people have bought them straight off of my neck. I do find that person-to-person sales are effective and also a lot of fun. So, you're you know, a, you're you don't a have walking to have billboard. Just... <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I try, you know, I try to be. So one of my, one of my customers and also one of my heroes is Katie Arth. 
she heads up communications with people for the ethical treatment of animals. And she says, make your body a billboard for the animals. And you can do that by wearing a t-shirt, but you can do it by wearing jewelry or accessories or pins or a tote bag or what have you. So I try to uh, do that as well. Fantastic. And like you say, particularly something like jewelry as well, it's great to see it on somebody as well so they can see what it, it looks like. So oh, I love that. Y- yes, yes. I mean, when people see it, it, I actually have higher sales, I think, when they see it in person because uh, there might be a fear when you're buying through through the internet, will I be disappointed when I see it in person? Whereas people get very excited uh, when they see it. I also, I find them really effective just, to give a little uh, you know, story about it, I find that if I'm wearing a necklace that says vegan, if I go into a restaurant, often the waiter or waitress will say to me, uh, oh, I see that you're vegan. I'll make sure that you know there's no cheese on this or what have you. So that tells me that even people who themselves are not vegan are really reading it and understanding what it says. Fantastic. And it's a great conversation starter as well, isn't it? Um, which is absolutely a great way to kind of ease yeah. into oh, the topic great. without saying, right, I'm vegan and an animal rights activist. Let's talk. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know what I mean? It's there looking pretty on the net. It's, you know what I mean? It invites the other person to actually initiate the conversation, which I think is, is great. So, and it's better than tattooing absolutely. it on your forehead, I guess. <laughs> Although, you know, nothing wrong with that. You know, I don't want to upset the tattoo yeah. artist out there, but yeah. That's a great way to do that. That's fantastic. So let's talk a little bit about the word or the use of the word vegan in your marketing materials and branding, because I think it's interesting with yours, because I guess obviously a lot of your market is, you know, the already converted, like people who are already vegan or already passionate about kind of animal advocacy. Now, you've called it veg shop, not vegan shop. So tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about mm-hmm. your choice of um, yeah, why you called it veg shop and just how much or otherwise you use the word uh, vegan in your marketing and branding? Well, I count myself lucky to get the name Veg Shop. So as we were discussing before, Katrina, you know, there's so many sellers out there that uh, getting a store name can be pretty competitive, like what you might have thought of. And you might think it's really creative and original, but others have thought of it as well. So it's a little bit of a play. Veg Shop uh, in some countries is like a you know vegetable shop, but you know I'm selling veg and vegan uh, messaging gear, so I went with it that way. I thought it was cute, and um, uh, and I was very fortunate to get it. I was I was very happy to, to for that. Um, you know, I say you know proudly and clearly vegan. Uh, being vegan is beautiful. Uh, I'm trying, I'm working to help my customers express the joy of being vegan, but it's very interesting. So I, I don't in any way shy away from the term vegan, but it's interesting to see the kind of response I get from customers, which is even if I sell at a veg fest, not everybody who's there at a veg fest is necessarily vegan. Some might be vegan, some might be vegetarian, and some might be really interested in the lifestyle and in the process of learning more. So, you know, I have some items that say, I love pigs. That's really popular. And I've found that even vegans, who I know who are vegan activists, sometimes will select, I love pigs or something that's a little bit softer. So I do find that it helps to provide different types of messaging because different people have their own philosophy on what is most effective. Got it. Got it. So when they go to your Etsy store, like, is it classed as, say, a vegan Etsy store? So how prominent is the word vegan on your Etsy store, for example? 
Well, it's pretty prominent. I, I, I try to create it as a search term. Um, it's, it's pretty prominent. You, you, I, you barely could miss the fact that <laughs> vegan is a central message. Yeah, got it. Cool. Now, you touched on um, some social media platforms, and I know you mentioned the visual ones, which makes sense because you make jewellery like Pinterest, Instagram. Um, so in terms of that, what have you found that have been most successful? Because social media changes constantly, and you know what worked a year ago or even six months ago doesn't necessarily work now. So just curious to kind of find what, what some of your findings have been or some of your strategies have been in regards to social media marketing and what's working, what isn't. Right. So I I started uh, on Facebook long before I opened uh my Etsy shop and the people that I'm friends with on Facebook are people I actually know. I found that that's the most effective one for sales, especially at first when I was just getting started and really needed to rely on my community. Uh, I did find, you know, messaging on Facebook most effective. I also enjoy Facebook, you know, putting messages to my friends in terms of getting feedback uh, on new designs and people are very happy to give their thoughts and give suggestions. And that's been very helpful to me. Um, I found Instagram somewhat successful, but it's the same kind of question that we were discussing before Katrina of it. it I've invested a lot of time in it uh, and whether the, I have gotten customers from it, but whether it's worth the investment of time is another question. But with everything I'm doing, I do have multiple objectives. And so I know that Instagram has been really effective in, you know, making being vegan seem really cool and really fun. So I also feel like I'm contributing to that as well. I do not find that Twitter has been effective for my products. Um, I don't think that people tend to go to Twitter uh, to look for artivism and craftivism items that they can buy. I don't think that that's the best platform. I think Pinterest might be very good, and I frankly haven't given that one enough time yet. Cool. Got it. Now, I like that you shared that. And what I particularly like that I draw attention to is what you said about getting feedback from people, because particularly if it's on your personal profile and not necessarily or even if it's on your page profile, that's a really kind of smart way to get people on board without just like posting your a picture of your latest product and saying, buy this now. Because, you know, what I mean, people don't really like being kind of sold to, or hard sold to all the time. Like, here's my stuff. Buy it. Buy it. So there's a way of doing it. I like that you put that out there. It's like, hey, look, I'm working on this design. What do you think about it? So you're kind of getting people's buy-in and they almost feel like they're part of the process. But of course, at the same time, you're you're letting them know and reminding them about your your veg shop. So I think that, that's a, a kind of a, a quite a cool strategy that I think brands could really take on board instead of just doing this buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Well, and another aspect of Facebook that was really helpful, particularly at first, and but even but even now is People, friends of mine have been really great about buy Susan stuff, right? So you get a third person to say it. Um, people do really nice posts. I had a friend who uh, reached out to me and said, Susan, I want to do a post promoting your shop around Christmas time, which was really thoughtful. Um, and, you know, others, for example, um, a well-fed world. I did a commission with particular items uh, in support of that. Uh, nonprofit organization and got a really beautiful uh, Facebook post out of it. So you can reach a lot of people even beyond your direct friends because your friends will sort of shamelessly plug for you, even if you don't want to do it for yourself. 
Yes, and that's always nice to get that third party uh, endorsement as well. No, for sure. That's interesting. I I just want to pick up on what you said about working with the non-profits. Um, so how did that sort of work? Is it simply that you kind of had contacts there so they were happy to share your stuff? Or was there something maybe a bit more formal in place? Because um, I think people are kind of interested in that. I know I've spoken to other business owners who, you know, create fashion products and, and stuff. And they think, oh, you know, it would be so great to tap into the members of, you know, some of these large non profits do you have any tips about how to go about that well so for me it was pretty organic in the sense that these are organizations that I'm a pretty hardcore volunteer for and so they actually came to me uh, and, and made the offer so uh, a really great example of that is uh, Erica Meyer when I first started doing this again um, I I didn't yet have an Etsy shop or yet have that in mind even. And I donated several items to uh, Compassion Over Killing uh, and Erica Meyer, the the president of uh, Compassion Over Killing was one of my first customers. And she was the one who very generously came to me and proposed, uh, you know, basically they've helped me out a lot. They've really gotten the word out and I'm just extremely grateful for that. And even uh, PETA did a little pop-up shop for me at one of their volunteer events, and they reached out to me and said, oh, would you be interested in doing this? So I was like, of course, you know, it'd be wonderful. So it's better, it's nice when they reach out to you. Um, as, a, as an aside, uh, and I can talk a little bit more about that, as an aside, another way that I try to make this a win-win is sometimes I buy some of my supplies for the items that I produce through Amazon, Amazon has a subsection called Amazon Smile, uh, where a percent of what you buy gets donated to a nonprofit organization at no cost to you. So when I uh, buy some of my supplies for the shop, uh, and also personally, I do Amazon Smile for compassion over killing. Uh-huh. So you know, keep 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 the you know keep the positive vibes moving forward as well. Fantastic. And then others. Yeah, others. So, so I've I've donated items to Popper Spring Animal Sanctuary, which is our local farm animal sanctuary here in D.C. There are others as well, um, and they gave me some very nice advertising in their annual uh, fundraiser booklet. Um, and then I've also been able to donate to the Humane Society of the United States and the Humane League. So, you know, that that's I think of the people who buy from me is helping me to support these nonprofit organizations, uh, you know, in, the, in terms of their fundraising. Got it. I love that. So it's having a, or developing a relationship with the nonprofit. So rather than just going to them cold and saying, hey, here I am, will you promote my products? It's kind of building that relationship up either volunteering or as you've done, offering to donate um, something to them so they can really kind of get to know you um, so that it becomes that win-win uh, relationship. So uh, I love how you've done that. Yeah, I do. I find that uh, community has been really helpful and it's the community that was there in place before I really started the shop. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Now, in terms of you mentioned third party endorsements, uh, you know, getting other people to say great things about your products and obviously getting into the media is a fantastic way of of doing that. I'm just curious. And I know you've only been running for a little while now. um, Have you had any media coverage yet or is it something you're looking to get? Uh, well, so I have. So 
I am a big fan uh, for anybody who's particularly interested in Etsy and considering opening an Etsy shop. I'm a big fan of the Etsy Conversations podcast. That is a terrific resource. I've learned a lot from that and been very inspired from that, as as well as your uh, podcast, Katrina. Um, and so I was a guest on that podcast, and that was a lot of fun. Um, and it, it, that was another thing where the audience for that is going to be largely, you know, artisans and craftspeople, makers. Uh, and I think that's a terrific community to get this go veg, go vegan message out to. Mm. Did you know whether you got any sales from that? I know it might be kind of quite hard to measure, but do, do you know whether, whether that actually led to any any sales or any connections like with that broader market? It, so I got a good number of shop views, but no sales mm-hmm. from that. Um, yeah, I, I would say, though, if anybody is interested in opening an Etsy shop, I do recommend uh, listening to uh, the particular uh, episode that I was on because I give a lot of wonky details that I don't want to go into here about search engine optimization, how to get the most out of social media and other things like that in relationship to an Etsy shop. Mm, mm. Can you give us one tip around that now that you've brought that up? That is interesting, actually, around search engine optimization, because um, I'm curious how people how do people come to your shop? Like if they don't know you, um, are they maybe going on Etsy and typing in the word vegan, in which case you would come up? So can you maybe give us a couple of quick little tips around that? Sure. So, um, again, Search engine optimization SEO is really important to understand if you have an Etsy shop because Etsy shop Etsy's has you know uh, so many Etsy shops competition is so stiff and it can be very hard for people to find you. Um, one tip is I recently began advertising. Uh, if you advertise, you get to see what terms people are putting into the search bar, and that helps you a lot. But uh, even before I started doing that, you know, it's a matter of stringing together two or three terms. Uh, If I just put vegan, uh, you wouldn't be able to find me because then I'd be lumped together with the, you know, thousands of other vegan products that are are available at that moment. So uh, it's being more specific than that and having two or three word search terms grouped together and looking to create conducting the searches yourself to see, you know, if you can find that sweet spot of enough hits and the right types of hits that somebody's searching for it might look there and find what they're looking for, but specific enough that your particular product shows up hopefully on the first page uh, because people are not tempted to scroll page after page to find you yes yeah so that's all that that's the whole big thing isn't it with so many marketers out there saying we'll get you up page one of google and uh, you know it can be a bit uh, you know interesting and complex around those kind of things and this when i say that that there's a lot of time dedication to running a successful uh etsy shop i I came to this never having done e-commerce before so i had to teach myself and learn SEO from the ground up. And that's one aspect uh, that can be time consuming. And and right now my challenge is to teach myself to write better ads like Google ads that would 
do a better job of getting the sales when I advertise. So there's a lot to learn. Um, it, you know, and, and so pe- again, people, I'm not saying that everybody should open a shop like this. I'm just saying these are things to think about when you're considering whether a shop is right for you. Got it. Got it. Well, which kind of answers that question about, you know, if someone is considering making their own stuff and selling it on Etsy, what they need to, to take into account. And I think you've you've offered quite a few um, advice, uh, tips and strategies on that, which have been really helpful. Now, you mentioned that you had a career in the nonprofit sector. What skills from your mm-hmm. previous jobs and careers have been useful in running VedShop? Well, researching, writing, uh, thinking strategically, um, you know, basically running a campaign, um, uh, basically all the skills that let you launch something from the ground up, especially if you start out as a novice and have to very quickly uh, learn your way to something uh, successful. Right. Yeah, for sure. What would be? And so, yeah, go on. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, but in a way, I'm actually trying to do something very different uh, than anything I've done in my career, which is, you know, something more artistic and creative. Um, and so I kind of took a little bit of time to read books like uh, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, oh, The Artist Way. <laughs> you right? It's yeah. the, these great books, The Artist Way by Julia Cameron, The yes. Crossroads of Should and Must by El Luna, um, and, and other things like that to, you know, expand my way of thinking to a more uh, artistic approach to work. Got it. I love that. What would you say then that would be the key things that you've learned through running VegShocks? It's it's been a year now. So what what have you mm-hmm. yeah what have been the key things that you've taken from it? Um, it really having community come out and help me was critical to getting uh, the shop off the ground. Um, one of the problems when you open a shop is you're at a disadvantage. Uh, the company Etsy has algorithms as to who gets placed higher up or lower down on a search. And one of the, one of the factors there is how many sales you already have under your belt. So a new shop is at a great disadvantage. So um, you just need to learn how, you know, knowing that and, and learning what factors will get you uh, noticed uh, you know, how to use what resources you have at hand to get yourself where you need to be to make those initial sales that you can then keep building and building upon. Got it. Got it. And it's interesting. I wanted to talk to you about that around funding. Um, and I know this, like you say, it started out as a, a side hobby. Um, obviously, there's some startup costs. And I know you mentioned that Etsy is actually very reasonable, but you've still got to buy your materials, uh, you know, to actually create yeah. the product, get them shipped and what have you. So do you kind of run VegShop as a little mini business in terms of looking about, well, what, what's your income? Uh, what are your outgoings? Um, can you talk a little bit about that and how you've sort of, I guess, quote, funded the, the operation? Sure. So this is totally self-funded. I estimate that I've spent around $3,000 on all of the costs, like the tools, the supplies, uh, the postage, the shipping materials, uh, et cetera. Oh, you know, one thing I forgot to mention when I was talking about always wearing my items is 
of course, you make business cards and have them on hand with you at all times so that when people say, oh, I love what you're wearing, you can quickly hand them a business card. So all of the sundry startup costs, um, and I have not reached a break even point yet, but that is because as soon as money comes in the door, I reinvest it in more supplies and tools. Got it. Yeah. So that's part of growing, you know, being a new business and, and growing it. That's a very smart way of doing things as well. Yeah, to, to re- yeah, put it back into the business to to get it to grow. So thank you for sharing that. I appreciate your honesty because that gives people a, you know, a bit of an idea because sometimes, you know, I think people start something up and they say, oh, I've got these great cool things and they, you know, go on these platforms and they expect to suddenly make a ton of sales and be in profit and, and you know, very, very quickly. And I, I like the fact that you've said, look, it does take this time. You know, you've got to get known. You've got all these new things to learn. Um, it's not just about creating your fabulous product and putting it up there like build it and they will come like you said I love that you've shared all of you know you've got to learn this stuff around SEO what you need to do to to get up there getting your community on board getting those initial sales so um, really appreciate you sharing this this is uh, absolutely um, fantastic so final question I guess then Susan what would you say what's your long-term vision for VegShop and yourself well, I would love to see it grow and become income producing. Um, and in order to do that, I need to both build VetShop's customer base. And I also need to uh, keep working on what I sell in the shop so that I'm offering items that take me less time and are more profitable uh, on each one. So those are some of the things that I need to think through strategically. And then when VetShop is more mature uh, as a shop, I would like to, it to have its own website. Um, it, by the way, having, having one's own commercial website for a new business can be more expensive than working with Etsy. Um, so I need to get, I need to get to a, a certain level to make that worth it for me. Uh, however, um, it's, it would be beneficial to do that because, you know, uh, people out here like myself are driving a lot of people to Etsy and those customers can jump off and purchase from other people's shops. Uh, yes. uh, in fact, Etsy in your, in your listing at the very bottom, they say other items like this offered by other shops. They kind of, even in your own listing, give a chance for people to jump off. So uh, that's why uh, when, when a business gets a little bit more mature, people uh, want to drive traffic through their advertising or what have you to their own website. Got it. That's a really good point. Yes, I'm glad you shared that. That's uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Fantastic. So look, this has been really, really helpful, Susan. Thank you very much for for coming on and sharing all this this great stuff. Um, as I say I know very little about Etsy, and I think anyone who's got a bit of a creative bent to them um, will get a, a lot out of this. Like you say, it's a great opportunity to if you've got the time and you're prepared to invest that time, um, particularly for a creative if they ne- haven't necessarily got a load of cash up front to sort of affordably you know set something up and test the waters and and learn as they go um it obviously sounds like a great platform whether it's etsy or or some of these other kind of ready-made platforms for people to cut their teeth on so to speak so thank you very very much indeed for for coming on the show today it's been a pleasure speaking with you well katrina thank you so much and one last thanks is that i just love vegan business talk uh i find the story so inspiring and thank you so much for putting it out there Oh, thank you. Well, it's a thanks to people like yourself who come on and are very generous in sharing their expertise. So thank you again, Susan.
Thank you, Katrina. So that was Susan Prolman from VegShop. You can find out more at etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash VegShop. And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 64. Now for our vegan business news roundup. Now, many of you will have heard the news this week, that's March 2017, if you're listening in the future, that vegan chef Chloe Coscarelli has been ousted from her business by Chloe. It was quite a shock, and as many of you who are regular listeners to this podcast will know, I've reported many times on the expansion of the By Chloe Eateries. According to media reports earlier this year, Coscarelli planned to sue E-Squared, the hospitality company that partnered with her to launch By Chloe, because they wanted to open meat-based restaurants using the By Chloe name, although Samantha Wasser from E-Squared denied this in a statement to Veg News this week. The news of Coscarelli's ousting from By Chloe was reported by the Wall Street Journal and Coscarelli has said she plans to pursue legal action to protect her brand. So obviously there's quite a bit that we don't know yet in regards to the details and regarding uh, contracts and so on, but hopefully we'll find out more as time goes on. The good news is that Coscarelli issued a statement on her Facebook page saying she was determined to stay positive and urged other budding entrepreneurs to stand their ground and pursue their dreams. She also said she looked forward to revealing some new projects and ventures, so I'll report on those as they come to light. A vegan bakery in Toronto, Canada is launching a hoser metal bar. A Pycalypse has soft-opened Foobar Toronto after working on the project in secret for just over a year. Now, in case you're wondering what hoser means, I know I was, so I googled it. <laughs> it's a slang term meaning loser. Now, one particular origin story says that it comes from ice hockey players on the losing team having to hose down the ice rink after a game. So I'm thinking actually now maybe it's pronounced hooser not hoser. (laughs) I don't know. So if there's any Canadians tuning into this episode, maybe you can let me know. So the all-vegan venue, which is described by the owners as a dive, will operate upstairs from Apocalypse's regular restaurant on Bloor Street West. To kick off with, it's got 26 seats for people to eat, with plans to have it running as a full bar later this year, complete with vegan beers and cocktails, as well as a bar snacks menu in the evenings and slightly extended hours. Initial opening hours are 4pm to 10pm, and you can keep up to date with announcements on FooBar's Facebook page. Isn't it great to see more speciality vegan businesses? Now, I can't profess to be a metal fan myself, but I love the diversity. A vegan gym is set to open in Portland, Oregon next month, reports Veg News. Liberation Barbell is the brainchild of co-founders Lacey Davis and Christina Cabrales. Davis, a vegan of 19 years, has been a personal trainer since 2013. As a feminist, she's taken an intersectional approach to her personal training business by ensuring it's accessible to people from all walks of life with varying body types. 
Davis, who used weightlifting to gain a positive body image after overcoming an eating disorder, said the space is particularly welcoming to people who may feel uncomfortable or misunderstood in traditional gym settings. I felt passionately that queer people, trans people, fat people, vegans, feminists, nerds, punks and other weirdos deserved the very same access that I had carved out for myself, she told Veg News. The vegan gym will not sell any non-vegan supplements and aims to dispel the myth that abounds in the fitness industry that you need whey protein, chicken breasts and egg whites to gain strength. What a brilliant initiative. I love how this duo are doing something different. They're zigging when everyone else is zagging. And it's a great way to stand out and to make real change in an industry that's traditionally about celebrating limited body types. Finally, Green Earth Travel Agency is celebrating 20 years in business this year with a two-day event in July. Owner Donna Zeigfinger, who I interviewed in episode 34 of this podcast, is a pioneer in the ethical green and vegan travel space. Since 1997, she's created customised vacation packages with a focus on sustainability and eco-adventures and tours. Between July 28th and 30th, you're invited to join Donna and other travellers at the Savage River Lodge, a luxury and eco-friendly accommodation in Frostburg, Maryland, for a weekend of hiking, shopping, optional tours and demos, or just hanging out and enjoying nature. Green Earth Travel's anniversary celebration dinner will be held on the Saturday night. For more information and to book, you can contact Donna at GreenEarthTravel.com or check out the Green Earth Travel Facebook page. Huge kudos and congratulations to Donna. While there's a surge of interest in vegan travel at the moment, it's always good to recognise and acknowledge those business owners who've been there at the forefront of working in a sector when veganism wasn't as popular as it is now. So happy 20th anniversary to Donna and Green Earth Travel. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more resources, including details of my media and PR consultations, copywriting, editing and proofreading services to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business, and I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now. Yeah.